Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Out on a Tangent with the Merrimack Public Library. I am here with Kathy this week. Hello, everybody. I missed you. And we are celebrating October with something we are calling Monstober, where we will be talking about various different creatures of the night. (laughs) And the day, depending on the fandom. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, We're starting this week with ghosts and demons, and then we're going to talk about, maybe not in this order, vampires and werewolves and witches and zombies. I'm so excited. So... I, this episode is going to be sort of like our test run for how the rest of these are going to be structured. I have a bunch of facts and other things about ghosts and demons, like in history and in pop culture, and a couple of recommendations. One's a book, one's a film. Uh, And I know Kathy has book talks. I have some recommendations as well, and a wealth of fandom knowledge. And I also have some trivia for Kathy to answer about Ooh. random like Halloween statistics and facts. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm excited. <laughs> I love Halloween. Okay, so let's start with ghosts. Okay. The first appearance of ghosts in pop culture was A Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens in 1843. Was it? That's what Wikipedia told me. What about Macbeth's father's ghost? Shakespeare, 1500s. Well, yeah, because I was thinking, too, like, there's a ghost in Othello. Yep. And I was like, I don't know. I get, yeah, Shakespeare's pop modern culture. Modern pop culture? Yeah, yeah. Does Christmas Carol count as modern? It was 180 years ago. Well, it's still used today. So is Macbeth. That's very true. Chime in in the comments. <laughs> uh, okay, so maybe not, but the first... I just, yeah, I, uh, I knew that you had been doing research and so I did research of my own. Well, yeah, that's what and I was saying. It's really hard to define pop culture. So let's like, say within the last 200 years. There are historical accounts of ghosts from like 100 AD. Mhm. So interesting. And so I don't know if you know, do you know why ghosts are associated with white sheets? I do not. I didn't know either. And I was looking it up because we were talking about uh, using the stereotypes for all of these creatures and like debunking them with different depictions of them. But I discovered that there's no consistency among (laughs) all of these. Uh, So the reason why ghosts are associated with white sheets is because in medieval times, if you died, you were buried in a white cloth. So death became associated with white fabric. But then, in the 1800s, for some reason, ghost characters in theater wore medieval armor to, like, symbolize that they were from a past, like, bygone era. And then eventually, the insane amount of clanking on stage got super annoying. (laughs) So they switched it to white sheets. Interesting. And then it stayed the same ever since. Huh. I never knew that. That's such a fun tidbit. Because it's funny, because usually white is associated with, like, purity. And it, and then it's to hear it's associated with death in medieval times. It's kind of funny. Well, but what's more pure than your soul without a body, right? Yeah, If we're digging into the religious implications of historic eras, like, 
sin and impurity came from earthly drives and like your body mm-hmm. and what your body wanted to do. So I can see where like the purest thing would be to rid your body completely. Yeah. Okay. That seems to sort of make sense in a very religious context. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, I also thought, you know, we could mention for people just some different iterations of ghosts. Like there's a can't, the campy version, like, not so campy, but like not super scary version. Because they want to say realistic because it's going into territory that we shouldn't go into. And uh, something to actually scare you. So if you want a campy ghost story, Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's great. Uh, the first movie I think is from the 90s. And Casper turns into a human, and a lot of people that grew up in the 90s say that Casper, as a human, was their first crush. Fun fact. Interesting. (laughs) Um, I would say, like, honestly, something that's not too scary, but not, like, super dumb, is A Christmas Carol, if you want, like, a ghost story. Yeah, well, and there's so many iterations. Like, if you do want something campy, you could go Muppet Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm. which is actually a very, very accurate retelling of the written version. Um, But there's also, like... The Jim Carrey Disney one? That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and there's, like, a Mickey one. I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, the DVDs we have down in the children's room. I mean, there's so many versions. Yeah, if you're looking, like... Yeah, that's true, too. I totally forgot about Muppets Christmas because <laughs> I don't even associate it, like, with the actual tale because I think, because I read the book in eighth grade. And the book's, like, fine. I think the book is atmospheric without being, like, spooky. Yeah. Especially, like, I've seen a, usually every year my family goes to see, like, the palace in Manchester puts on a stage production of the Christmas Carol and specifically the part, like, with the ghosts of Christmas future, and they're talking about, like, Scrooge's funeral or whatever. So spoilers. <laughs> that we need to disclose the spoilers for, like, the oldest story in pop culture. <laughs> yeah, 1843. <laughs> the, like, ghost of Christmas future himself is terrifying. Because it's, like, this 10-foot-tall, like, black presence. And then they have the two, like children come out like what is it greed and oh i am not familiar enough i think it's like confidence and greed or something something like that but that's it's not like it's scary it's scary for me because i'm a wuss but (laughs) it's not super scary and i think like if you want a scary ghost thing any of the paranormal activity movies um the Conjuring is really scary. Just, you know, you guys know if you're into scary stuff. But if you're not, there you go. There's a recommendation. <laughs> we'll circle around to my recommendations in a minute, I guess. Yeah. What else do um, we have? One more. I have one more thing with ghosts. Okay. So I have a recommendation for it's actually a series. It starts down here in the children's room and it goes the second iteration of the series is upstairs in our teen room. It's called Sheets by Brenna Thumler. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, We read it for Graphic Novel Club. If you like graphic novels, you can join our Graphic Novel Club. 
we are making our own comic book right now, and it's super fun. Uh, so I'm going to read the Goodreads summary of this book, because I thought that it did better than me trying to <laughs> say it in my own words. Uh, Marjorie Glatt feels like a ghost, a practical 13-year-old in charge of the family laundry business. Her daily routine features unforgiving customers, unbearable P.E. classes, and the fastidious Mr. Sobertuck, who is committed to destroying everything she's worked for. Wendell is a ghost, a boy who lost his life much too young. His daily routine features ineffective death therapy, a sheet-dependent identity, and a dangerous need to seek purpose in the forbidden human world. When their worlds collide, Marjorie is confronted by unexplainable disasters as Wendell transforms Glatt's laundry into his midnight playground, appearing as a mere sheet during the day. While Wendell attempts to create a new afterlife for himself, he unknowingly sabotages the life that Marjorie is struggling to maintain. Hmm. So, yeah. The depiction of the ghost world in this series is really interesting because it's... Everybody is a sheet when you die in this in this universe. And you get, like, you get your sheet. That's the first thing. After you die, you go to, like, the ghost office, and they give you your sheet. <laughs> and then you live in this ghost world, which is actually really somber. It's, like, completely gray, and they all live in these, like, really run-down, like, shacks. And there's a train that takes you to the human world that's only used for emergencies. Okay. And it only comes a few times a year. And it comes, and Wendell decides, because he hates his life as a ghost, he decides to go into the human world, which is forbidden by ghost law. Okay. And then he ends up at Marjorie's family's laundromat, and the guy that I mentioned, Mr. Sobertuck, their business is sort of failing. Okay. Because Marjorie's mother has passed away, and her dad is really, really depressed, so he's not doing anything with the business. So Marjorie's running it as a 13-year-old by herself. Um, and Mr. Sobertuck is this crazy guy who is rich and wants to buy it to turn it into a yoga resort. Okay. Because he just likes the building <laughs> and wants it to be a yoga resort for whatever reason. So he tries to further sabotage the business. And Wendell notices it and tries to stop him with minor success. Okay. And I'm not going to give away I'm the into rest it. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a second, uh, the second part of the series is upstairs. But that's some more spoilers that I don't want to give away. So. Yeah, you can't really get into the second <laughs> book without spoiling the end of the first. It's really, it's really fun and it's an interesting take on the afterlife, I think. Okay. So there's that. So do you have a ghost recommendation? I have... I'm trying to decide which of these are ghosts and which of these I'm going to save for the demon one. So I have... I'll do two of them. The first is My Plain Jane... It's part of a series of retellings like um, My Calamity Jane, My Lady Jane, My Plain Jane. So this is Calamity Jane, like, 
Is it a cowboy so, story? Is it supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, but a that's cowboy? not the book I'm talking about. Oh, that's not the so, same it's not the same person? No. Okay. So they're all different Janes from literature and history. Okay, got it. Sorry. And these authors go in and they like rewrite these stories. Okay. And the narration like is really tongue in cheek because they'll make like modern references and they'll talk directly to the reader. So it's a really strong, fun narrative voice. My plain Jane is a retelling of Jane Eyre and it is really really fun and Jane can see ghosts her best friend is a ghost okay and so because of her connection with the spirit world um she it's very very atmospheric without ever being particularly spooky so she gets sucked into this sort of a mystery and the ghosts are helping her solve it and she is caught up in this sort of complicated love triangle. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun and the ghosts are really, really charming because yeah. they're just like any other characters. They just happen to not be alive. <laughs> I've thought of another recommendation. We'll see if I can remember the title and we'll circle back if I can. Okay. Uh, and then the second recommendation I have is the Croak Trilogy by Gina D'Amico. Okay. And we have it up in teen. It is really fun. I do recommend reading all three books as one. Like, check out all three and just immerse because... There's no time between the books. Mm -hmm. Like the book ends and then the first chapter of the next book picks up like the next moment. It is action packed from like chapter one of book one to the last chapter of the third book. Mm -hmm. I find the ending of the trilogy very sweet and satisfying but not everybody will so I will add that disclaimer (laughs) that if you like things to have like very neat happy endings you may not be totally satisfied but I do still recommend it because it is so much fun so the main character ends up being sent to live with her uncle who is a reaper and so they live in this tiny community Mm -hmm. And the whole town is like um, colors and reapers. So they either, they like travel in through like the magic science of jellyfish. (laughs) They're able to travel in to the moment that someone is about to die. Okay. And they are not frozen, but everyone else is. And so one person goes in and taps the person who's going to die to kill them. Yep. And ends their life. And then their partner goes in and captures the soul in like a Pokeball, essentially. (laughs) And then captures the soul and then they bring it back to their town and they deposit the soul into the afterlife. Okay. So these teams have to kill everyone who's supposed to die that day. Okay. And like they're responsible for keeping the natural order of things. Oh my God. And so one of the team members, like, one of the characters goes rogue and starts just, like, killing people that weren't supposed to die, taking souls out of living people, just, like, wreaking havoc. And so 
the main character and her friend group have to figure out what's going on and why and yeah. stop it. And they're on the run. And so you get to see all of these, like their little community, but then all of these other like, like Reaper Las Vegas, mm-hmm. Reaper Sahara Desert, like all these little communities all over the world of people who kill people and collect their souls. Yeah. And it's really, really fun but also, like, very suspenseful, and there are, like, real stakes. Mm -hmm. So it was such a ride, and I can't recommend it enough. (laughs) Okay, so before we jump into demons, let's quiz Kathy on her Halloween trivia. (laughs) Okay. Is this ghost Halloween or Halloween in general? Halloween in general. What was the original name of Candy Corn? Ooh, I have no idea. Um, is it something to do with witches? No. Okay. You don't know? No, I don't know. Chicken feed. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because it looked like what sure fed the chickens. Um, I think that's really interesting and also, like, kind of disappointed that they changed the name. <laughs> How hilarious would that be if it was still called chicken feed? What is the the record for the most lit jack-o'-lanterns on display? Oh. It's an exact number, but if you get close enough, I'll give it to you. Is it greater or less than 500? Way, way more. Okay. <laughs> um, in the thousands, then. More than that. Is it more than 10,000? Yes. What? Yeah. Is this like an institution, a person, a town? Like It's it's in New England. Okay, I'm not going to guess. Just tell me. Okay, 30,581 at the Keen Pumpkin Festival. Ah. Have you ever been to the Keen Pumpkin Festival? I haven't. It's really fun. And there's... 30,000 jack-o'-lanterns there. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like a huge thing. It's it's known all over the place. I want to say all over the world, but I don't think so. All over the United States. Um, what is the... That's more like oh, just a fun fact, so I'll say it. One-fourth of all the candy sold annually in the United States is purchased for Halloween. I'm surprised it's not more. Really? Well, well they put Halloween candy out in July this year. Well, yeah, but you got to <laughs> so. think about, like, there's Valentine's Day, there's Easter, there's Christmas. Sure, but think about the candy you get in your Easter eggs versus, like, trick-or-treating yeah, that's is true. a lot more candy. And a lot of people do things that aren't candy for Valentine's Day. Mm, that's also true. Uh, I think candy should be given for all holidays. (laughs) What were the... This is another jack-o'-lantern question. What was used by the Irish to make jack-o'-lanterns before pumpkins? I can see that you're thinking of an answer, but you don't want to say it. Just say it, and you're probably right. Well, 
I'm thinking Irish potatoes. It is potatoes, is it? Yeah. Oh, I was so afraid that I was just going to be like, oh, the stereotypical answer. Um, there's one more, actually, too. So it's potatoes and something else. Okay. I think also a root vegetable. Not a squash? Nope. Oh, my goodness. I don't know enough about the native crops of Ireland. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. Turnips. Okay, well. Which I don't necessarily understand, but. Yeah, I, well, I have a hard time picturing even a potato as a modern jack-o'-lantern. Well, yeah, that's so, true. Because. And so, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's, jack-o'-lanterns are so ingrained in my mind to, like, yeah. look a certain way that I would be really curious to see, like, an authentic turnip or potato jack-o'-lantern. What did they use in England before pumpkins? Hmm. Not potatoes or turnips? Nope. So we're looking for a different answer? Okay. I will say it's very not what you would expect, but it is a vegetable. Okay, so not a squash, because that would be the closest relation. Yeah, it's not a squash. A carrot? No. I'm trying to think of things that are related to turnips now. Um, <laughs> um, this is something I think people get confused with turnips. Parsnips. No. I have no idea. Large beets. Okay. It's sort of the same shape as a turnip. Okay. I'll, sure. Uh, <laughs> and this is a question that's way different than that. What was the first American horror film, and it was just a film in general, but I'm giving you a hint, to show a toilet on screen? Oh, it was Psycho, right? Yep. Yeah. Figured she'd know that one, guys. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know that one because I took a film class in college. I forget. The one, as opposed to, like, your whole major. <laughs> I forget that you did that. I'm like, ooh, she probably doesn't know this. <laughs> I had a very eclectic college education. <laughs> well, you were, you were like, was your major museum curation or history? History. Okay. And then you did your master's in museum curation? Um, museum professions. Okay. So curation was one of four tracks, but it's not one of the tracks that I did. I did fundraising and registration, which is like collection development. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to demons. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, well, but I have my own trivia about oh, ghosts. Okay. I have fandom trivia. Okay. So, Sam, how do you banish a ghost? Oh, I literally read this yesterday because the paper was on my desk that you wrote this on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. The only thing coming to my head right now is walnuts, and I know that's not correct. <laughs> that would be so interesting, though. Um, I don't know why walnuts are coming to my mind. So, And I'll put in a disclaimer that most of what's... Unless I'm talking about a specific fandom, most of the things I, that I present as general knowledge are probably coming from Supernatural. So ghosts can be warded off with salt... Okay. Or iron. I was going to say salt. So, I was like, no, that's vampires. And we literally had this discussion last week. And you're like, no, it's ghosts. <laughs> so you can protect yourself with a salt circle and like stand inside of it. Yep. And then nothing can get to you. 
if you are trying to temporarily get rid of a ghost, you can like throw salt at them or wave something that's made of iron through them and it'll like banish them temporarily. And then you can salt and burn their bones and that'll get rid of them permanently. But it Ghosts does have bones. Yeah, like their human bot, like their remains. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you can like dig up their remains yeah, yeah. and salt and burn them. Um, you can also very Hamlet of them. <laughs> yeah, you can also make them like run across holy ground, and that will dissipate their spirit. Okay. What qualifies as holy ground? Like the parking lot of a church, or like anything that's consecrated. So like an actual church building, okay. or land that used to be a church building. Okay. Um, a holy, like a dedicated church cemetery. Um, so that's sort of like a very aggressive way of making them like reach the light is like, you're just essentially running them over with a holy bus. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. Cause they're running across this and then they're just poof. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also always think of like ghost whisperer, yeah. which I dated someone who was obsessed with ghost whisperer <laughs> and had to watch all the episodes and that was so like gentle and sweet about like finding closure mm-hmm. so that they could move on and find peace. And that is not the version of ghosts we see in Supernatural. <laughs> sometimes, yes, like sometimes they're there so that they yeah. can deliver a message and bring something to justice. But mostly ghosts are like they're trapped. And then the longer they're trapped, the angrier they become. Mm-hmm. And so they can learn to manipulate their physical surroundings and be a threat because they're like their ghost rage mm-hmm. like builds up and builds up until they lose who they were as a human and become like an evil spirit. Okay. Another thing just came to my mind. Okay. There was a television series, which I want to say was, I know it was in the nineties. I'm not sure if it was in the eighties or not. And it might've even bled into the early two thousands. Touched by an Angel. Do you know yep. that show? <laughs> Only by name. It's a show where it's, I think it was made by a religious yes, production it is, company. It is religious. I know that much. And it's, it's, it's different every week. So it's like an anthology. So it's the same sort of format, but it's not the same characters every week. Um, and it's usually like someone is lost in life and then someone like their loved one comes back as an angel, but it's a ghost to like help huh. them along. And that was huge back in the nineties. I can't remember if the specific dates of when it was on, but it was huge and super popular. Yeah. I'm sort of mentally equating the timeline of like touched by an angel and Chicken Soup for the Soul yeah. were, like, popular at the same time. Yep. And I feel like one of the stars of Touched by an Angel, like, wrote the foreword of the Chicken Soup for a Soul books we'll that I find, had we'll as a child in the 90s. Um, so now we're going to move on to demons. <laughs> so I'm going to give an overview of demons that I have found in pop culture. And let me tell you, it was the hardest thing for me to find. I searched like high and low all over the internet for hours and I could not find the first appearance of a demon in pop culture. I 
I couldn't find it because there was different like there was like the devil and that's not what I was looking yeah. for. I was looking for like demons, but I couldn't find it. Okay. So I will say, interesting fact, Lord of the Flies is another name for Satan. Okay. It originates from his other name, Beelzebub. Is that how you pronounce it? Beelzebub. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I was like, is that in Bohemian Rhapsody? That's how they pronounce it, but I thought they were just, like, pronouncing it weird. (laughs) (laughs) So that is Latin for Lord of the Flies. Interesting. So if you've ever read Lord of the Flies, it has satanic connotations. Is it a banned book? Yeah. So that... I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it's, for other reasons, it's been <laughs> on like the banned book week, the list of banned books, like classics yeah. that they release as part of banned books week every year. But that doesn't like we have it. Yeah, of course. So that's a fun fact. I was, you know, of course, Jenny knew all of this when I was telling her, I was like, did sure. you know that Lord of the Flies is the same as Satan? She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, video games have a lot of demons in them, which, you know, not surprising. Uh, so there's, I came up with two, if you want, like, a campy, fun video game to play that has a demon in it, you know, because why not? And, like, a scary one. So, Cuphead, have you heard of Cuphead? Nope. Cuphead is a video game that is for Xbox, PlayStation, and I think recently they released a version for the Nintendo Switch. So... It's based on, like, 1930s cartoons that sort of, like, I forget the name of it. What's that animation style called? Like, uh, Steamboat Willie? Like, what's that? Oh. I don't know. I want to say it's called, like, Noodle Arm style, but I don't think that's <laughs> it. It's, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, think about, like, the, right before Disney movies, when Mickey Mouse yeah, comes like on the screen. Yeah, like, that early, like, early animation. Yeah. So... It's these two kids, Cuphead and Mugman. They are cups with eyes and a face that have, like, arms and okay, legs and a body. Cool. Uh, and they go to the Devil's Casino, and they're winning and gambling and winning, and then Cuphead, like, decides to gamble his soul and loses. So the game is you trying to get Cuphead's soul back by fighting a bunch of different monsters. Okay. It's really fun. It's really difficult, but it's fun. Uh, and the second one is Doom, which is a series that's been around for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, just demons appear, and it's sort of like a zombie apocalypse game. There's been several iterations. Another one is the Demon Slayer series. That's so hard. I, <laughs> my brother is really good at it, and I'm so bad at it, and I've tried to play it, and I just get so frustrated. Um But yeah, and my last thing is I couldn't find a book that I had read that had a demon in it. So I decided to recommend everybody a film because I am a film major. Okay. Uh, Which I'm sure most people have seen this film, but I watched it for the first time like a month ago. Beetlejuice. Have you seen Beetlejuice, Kathy? parts of it I've never (laughs) seen it all the way through but my some of my former roommates watched it and I was like in and out of the room okay so you know I lived under a rock well yeah I know I just because you love Halloween so much I just thought maybe you've seen it (laughs) 
Uh, here's a quick overview. There's this couple that lives in a very old house that are workaholics, and then they decide to go on vacation. And they're driving their car, and they get in a car accident, and they die. And they don't realize they're ghosts and go back to their house. And then after a while, their house gets put on the market. Yeah. And they're like, we're dead? <laughs> and they get this book that's like guide to, for lost souls or something. And the people that move into their house are this like really snotty, rich woman. Her really like, uh, mousy's not the right word. Like, she's, she takes control over him. Submissive husband. Okay. And their daughter, or her, his daughter, her stepdaughter, who is, like, super goth and into, like, sort of like a Wednesday Adams vibe. Okay. And uh, the couple, it's Alec Baldwin, and I can't remember the woman's name, but the, those two people, <laughs> they open the book, they read it, and they decide because this family is, like, destroying their house and, like, making it modern, and they don't, it's their house, they want to keep it. Uh, they go to talk with someone in the afterlife on how to haunt people because they tried and failed miserably. Oh, no. Um, and then they, they, they keep seeing, like, ads for this guy called Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, because if you say Beetlejuice three times, he appears and he's, like, stuck. you're stuck with him. Yeah. Um, and then they decide finally just to use him because they can't, like, they can't, haunt to save their lives and they're trying to get these people out of their house so Beetlejuice comes and a bunch of crazy stuff happens and even though he's supposed to be like he's he is a demon but he's supposed to be like the villain of the story he's sort of like a vigilante type okay like an anti-hero yeah I couldn't think of the name thank you he's an anti-hero because he helps the couple out but he also destroys the lives of the family <laughs> that live in the house um and it's a combination of like campiness and scariness, which is good if you, like, have a wide age range of people in your house that are trying to watch a movie. I think, like, if you have somebody, like, in fifth grade and someone in high school, that's the range. I don't think it's appropriate for, like, little, little kids, but, like, middle schoolers, totally fine. Just they might get a little scared, especially with the sandworm. It's a wild movie. <laughs> Interesting. I know that it is also a musical on Broadway. It is. So that's really where my knowledge of it comes from, is like just the cultural knowledge of having grown up in a 90s peer group that yeah. was like obsessed and then like seeing little snippets of performances like at the Tonys and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it was like one of the songs from it was a viral TikTok sound for a while. Yeah. So, do you know Kathy? Yeah. Why the devil is often portrayed as having red skin? I have numerous theories, probably none of them correct. Well, give me one of them. Well, so one theory could be that, like, he burned when he was cast out of heaven. And so he's, like, scarred and blistered. But really, that 
only works with our modern sensibility of hell uh, because historically hell and like the devil's domain in general was thought to be very cold because again, in these very, very religious cultures, like if God is light and warmth, then hell would be as far removed from that as you could. So that's where you get like the frozen circles of hell and like Dante's Inferno, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I don't know why it's because of capitalism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it comes from the Underwood deviled ham logo from 1868. Interesting. That I love why that. The devil has red skin. I was like, are you kidding? That's hilarious. I thought it had an actual meaning. Nope. It comes from deviled ham, which was spicy. Okay. Ham. Sure. <laughs> Do you have other fun facts and trivia? Um, I wanted to ask you because I, we have had this conversation before. The origin of Halloween. The pagan, because I know yeah. it's associated with the pagans. Yeah. I found a bunch of different um, iterations of it okay. on the internet. And I know you told me about the pagans, but I read that it, Started uh, with the Celts, mm-hmm. and they believed that like the Celtic New Year was November first, and they believed that October thirty first was a day where the spirit world and the physical world were one. Yeah, that's very in line with our modern sensibilities too. Because if you think about Halloween, and then November first is like All Saints Day. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's one of the many examples of um, pagan First Nations polytheistic traditions that got adapted because they couldn't be stamped out by, like, people coming in and conquering. Yeah. And then there's another version, which I think is probably the same as the pagan thing, I think this was, again, like an Irish thing. It might have been a Celtic thing. Uh, Similar to the idea that the spirit world and the physical world were one, people were afraid of the evil spirits that were coming, so they would have giant bonfires to sort of ward them off, and they would all wear costumes so no one was recognizable. Yes. Is that the same as the pagan Um, version? I've... Yeah, they're all... They're all, like, little pieces that have been assembled. Yeah. So, yeah, the thought was, like, if I dress up, then the devil won't recognize me and he won't come to take me. Yeah. Um, so there are a number of different cultural traditions that all get, like, smooshed together. Yeah. And adapted over centuries. But the pagan holiday today, like for Halloween, is called Samhain. Mm-hmm. And it's it's spelled Samhain. Yep. And they used that as a character in Supernatural. Okay. Yeah, they brought <laughs> Samhain in 
as a pagan god okay. who requires like blood sacrifice that they had to defeat him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was like their Halloween episode in the <laughs> early seasons. Okay. It's a lot of fun because they're like chasing down this yeah. evil god yeah, yeah. and there's like little kids trick or treating all over the place in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but that has. In that context, it has less to do with the devil. Yeah. And it's like... Because the the devil is a more monotheistic concept. Yeah. And so it's it's so interesting. Everything is so interconnected and so blended over yeah, centuries I, and centuries of Yeah. Life. I think it's just... What I read was this evil spirit, which I produced, you know, like... Because it... No one really knows because this is from like one thousand. <laughs> yeah, what I read. Um, and then American Halloween wasn't celebrated until late into the eighteen hundreds because the Puritans were very religious and terrified of it. Sure. And that's you know the Puritans. The Puritans were the ones that did the Salem witch trials, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they. So the Puritans as a religious movement died out earlier than that, but they left a lot of their cultural traditions and a lot of their religious influences, especially in the New England area where the Puritans were settled. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's New England society was considered especially puritanical for like centuries. And so a lot of, religious movements of the 1800s and the 1900s have their roots in like New England and New York state. Yeah. Um, And then they would like spread from there. And that's not, not so true anymore, but it's all very interesting how like this, this religion that was, was not really around anymore, still had such a lasting impact. And I I think I've heard this, and it's probably incorrect. Um, and I think I might be confusing it with a Treehouse of Horror episode from The Simpsons, so <laughs> not accurate at all. Um, was there a tradition for the Puritans at any point where they would wear costumes to not be... St- like scouted out by the witches. I have no idea. I don't know if that's a Simpsons thing or if I read that from history. <laughs> I have no idea. It doesn't seem very in character, but they were historically kind of crazy, like kind of wackadoo. So who's to say what they were doing? Or maybe they were like all over the place. After the Salem witch trials ended, it was sort of like a let's dress up to avoid their evil spirits coming back? I don't know. Uh, Again, we don't 100% fact check this podcast. No, today is like 0% fact checked just for fun. Well, (laughs) I have fact checked most of the things that I've said except for that. (laughs) Um, So do you have a demon specific book recommendation? Yes, but I have some thoughts on demons first. Okay, go for it. So I found it interesting as I was thinking about demon portrayals culturally that 
there's no agreement on the origin of demons. Yeah, I couldn't find it. Like, <laughs> if you think about BuzzFeed Unsolved, mm-hmm. and when they talk about demons, it is a purely spiritual entity that has never been human, has never, like, had a human body and that's why it's able to possess Mm -hmm. things and people whatever whatever um so you have like that sort of spiritual teaching of demons being totally removed from ghosts Mm -hmm. and then you have the pop culture supernatural specifically um that people like souls can be tortured as part of their afterlife to the extent where they lose all of their humanity. And that's how demons were created. Okay. is like these souls that are so tortured and scarred mm-hmm. that there's no trace of humanity left in them. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there are a lot of sigils again in supernatural there are many, many different ways to like ward off and trap demons and wards that will sort of kill them or trap them in their vessel because they have to take possession of a human vessel, a human body in order to like have any power on yeah. earth. Yeah. So you find like anti-possession and demon traps and sigils carved into knife blades so that you can kill demons and, and there's a lot of lore and it's like the second most cited supernatural creature in the whole series. Okay. I think um, that's according to the supernatural wiki that I was on. So it's plays an extensive role, but they're not um, categorically evil. Like there are a number of demons in the show that, are on the boys' side and and help them in certain situations or are even, like, long-term allies. Okay. So demons have very human motivations a lot of the time. So it's just interesting because that's... That so flies in the face of, like, the religious view of demons. I think the... It's just been lost in the translation because there's so many, like, there's also demons, like, the gremlins are demons. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The gremlins are demons. Beetlejuice is a demon. Um, I was looking, when I was looking online, there was depictions of demons, like, as gargoyle-esque creatures. Yeah. And some, like, you know, that look like monsters would, like, pig heads so there's like so many different iterations of a demon and in Buffy the Vampire Slayer there are like numerous species of demons and some of them are humanoid like vampires are humans with a demon in them okay Um, okay. and so like a vampire is what happens when a human dies and a demon takes over their consciousness sort Mm -hmm. of Um, but then you have like non-humanoid demons some of whom are 100% just, like, here to live their life and mind their business. Yep. Others who are totally destructive. So you see, like, a full spectrum. And some of them are, like, totally harmless. And so it's really interesting. I'm trying to think of other pop culture demons. Was I incorrect 
that the gremlins are demons? I think I have are. no idea. Have you seen it? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Under a rock. Uh, I think they are. I mean, if you're a teen watching this, you probably don't know what the gremlins are anyway. Uh, it's one of those like iconic things that you see at Halloween. He kind of looks like, here's another reference, Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, like, uh, weird looking lemur with big old ears. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'll say. Um, I think they're demons. I'm pretty sure they're demons. But it also makes sense that becoming a demon is a possession thing. That makes the most sense to me. Instead of trying to, like, categorize all of these different things. Yeah, well, and then we have this sort of chicken and the egg question that, like, if you're possessed, are you the demon or is the thing possessing you the demon? Well, the thing possessing you is the demon. So, like, becoming a demon is the entity that enters somebody or something. Okay, but if a demon has the power to possess, where did it come from? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So your answer is a non-answer. Well, I don't know because... Is there demons in other, like, polytheistic cultures? Yeah. Okay. And other monotheistic cultures. Yeah, so I don't know. I think demons are a human's way of grappling with evil. Yeah. And so it's a timeless question and we're never going to have an answer. But it's fun to, like, explore it. Spooky season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and... um. The, the devil, like, I don't know. The devil and Satan are, like, two interchangeable terms, correct or no? In today's culture, for most people, yes. Okay, because, like, the, the I'm thinking of, like, Halloween costumes. Yeah. The classic devil, and I'm putting air quotes around devil, Halloween costume yeah. is... Horns, the goatee. The red horns, the, like, tail with a triangle on the end of it, red with sometimes with a cape and a goatee. Yeah. That's not like canonically what the devil, like that is what the devil was portrayed as on the deviled ham logo. The origins do go back further than that. I know I watched a documentary that tracked the history of images of the devil from medieval illuminated manuscripts, yeah, um, including the Devil's Bible, which I can't remember the exact date, but is like medieval, yeah, like thirteen hundreds ish. I think I read in that period the Devil was thought to be black. Yes, like um, like the color black. Yeah, like a, like a very sooty because again, like it's very complicated. Uh, color theory, which is largely rooted in racism. Well, the Black (laughs) Plague was, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Yeah, and also, again, as we move into this sort of notion of a fiery hell, like that, him being burned makes a lot of sense from his, like, origin story, biblically. Well, um, is the Grim Reaper the same as the devil? No. Okay, he um, just works for the devil? I'll, no. I'll say, speaking from, again, 
my fandom experience. Supernatural. <laughs> and, but not just. Um, that reapers are more neutral. Okay. Because nature is neutral. Nature is neither good nor evil, and death is part of nature. Well, what about uh, the Grim Reaper from The Sims? Because Kathy is an avid Sims player. Um, <laughs> again, like, death is... Uh, death is the natural order of things. Like, nothing can... Nothing is intended to live forever. And so something that brings death isn't good or evil. It just is what happens before and after death is where good and evil come into play. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> this is such a tangent. Um, so what are your recommendations for demon materials? So I have <laughs> one more recommendation that I wanted to talk about. This falls somewhat in with ghosts and somewhat in with demons. So it's a okay. nice little tie it all up in a bow. And it is Amity by um, Michael, M-I-C-O-L, Osto, O-S-T-O-W. I'm okay. sure I butchered that. I'm so sorry. It that's might, why I spelled it. You think that's a Russian name? I'm not going to speculate on the origins of an author <laughs> that I haven't, that I could easily go have read the biography and well, figure yeah, it out. Well, yeah, I would assume that um, it would be like Mikol Ostow, if it was a Russian name, but anyway. Yeah, so um, so Amity is sort of inspired by the Amity house, real life, fictionalized into movies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it is told in dual perspective of two families years apart who are moving into the same house, mm -hmm. and you sort of watch both families devolve on the same timeline years apart. Yep. And that the house has an undefined entity that inspires and soaks up the evil and gains power from it. Yep. And so it's very, very spooky, very atmospheric, and has a great cover. <laughs> I think that is what the Conjuring movie is based off of. Quite possibly. I'm not entirely um, sure on that. It's either that or the Paranormal Activity movies. The people who went into these houses, it's all the same couple, and I can't remember their name right now, but they did a number of these, like, these big exorcism and haunting cases. It was, like, mostly all the same couple, and this was, like, they were, like, the first paranormal investigators, um maybe not actually, but like the ones that made it big and they, yeah, they wrote down their experiences and potentially fictionalized them, but then sold all of their stories for movies. And so a lot of the sort of spooky haunted demon canon that we think of in movies and books is, is has real life origins in this one couple's, Business. Is it the Perrin family? No, it's not the family that lived there. Okay. It's the couple that they brought in, and I can't Carolyn, Roger, and their five daughters? No, that's the family that lived in the house. Okay. Let me just look it up. Yeah, it's, it's in Rhode Island, so that's fun. Another New England thing. There's a lot of haunted things in New England. Yeah, so the movie The Conjuring is based on the 
Amity House. It's Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren were paranormal investigators and they were self-taught demonologists and they went into a number of homes. So their their, uh, experiences, their real life cases inspired The Conjuring, Amityville Horror, Enfield Poltergeist. Um, Yeah, so... That could be a fun... A Haunting in Connecticut, Annabelle doll. Like, they are tied to most paranormal, like the big paranormal cases. That would be a really fun thing to do this month. Read uh, Amity, that's what the book's called? Yes. And then watch The Conjuring and compare. Yeah, or the Amityville Horror. Yeah. I mean, there's... New, there's, it's so good. Not for a <laughs> podcast episode, just for a fun activity for teens. Yeah, if you're looking if for you a spooky activity. <laughs> and if you like spooky movies, we are having a f- teen fright night at the end of this month on the 22nd over at Watson Park. We are having a, we're watching a scary, but not too scary movie and uh, going to have snacks and some fun things. Yeah, there'll be refreshments. It'll be after dark outside. So, like, bring a blanket, bring your friends, have some, you know, hot apple cider or whatever. Uh, It's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait. We're excited. So, with that, that concludes our first episode of Monstober. I tried to come up with a jingle for it (laughs) yesterday, and I was trying so hard, and I was, like, coming up with, like, parodies of the song Thriller. Because <laughs> I was like, if we say that it's, like, don't copyright strike us, please, then it won't get taken down. <laughs> I don't know if Spotify copyright strikes podcasts for having... Parody songs are fair use, I think. Okay, well, maybe next time we'll have my jingle in it. Because <laughs> now I can't remember what I came up with, but it was something to the tune of Thriller combined with the tune of Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay, I'm into it. <laughs> So we will see you guys next next week. Yes, yeah. next week we'll be back with another episode of Monstober. Get ready for it, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>